Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. Arcseedkits.com. Make sure to go to TimCast.com, click join us and become a member to support this podcast and all the work we do, and you'll get access to exclusive uncensored segments from TimCast IRL and way more. Now, let's jump into the first story. Twitter is on its deathbed. While not completely dead in the way many on the left would hope, it's a new company now. And we knew this was coming for a long time, but last night, Elon Musk sent out an email saying... Twitter will become the everything app. And he rebranded the company to X. In fact, this merger has been happening for some time. Elon isn't doing it overnight because we all learned those lessons 20, 30 years ago. You can't just do everything overnight. And so he has slowly been transforming Twitter into X. We've known that he planned to do this. And the biggest change is the rebrand. Twitter no longer has the bird logo. It has the X logo. And here we go, ladies and gentlemen, good or bad. You tell me. I'll tell you what I think. I don't believe that Elon Musk purchased Twitter because the Babylon Bee got censored. I think that was just uh, it it played a role. You know, Elon Musk is laughing at Babylon Bee jokes. They get censored and he says, "Okay, let's let's buy this app. There's a real reason Elon Musk purchased Twitter and it was to accelerate X. He has not been shy about telling us all that. Well, I should say, I don't think Elon ever really came out and said explicitly that the Babylon Bee got censored. Therefore, he must buy this. Or if he did, I don't think he's saying this is the only reason he would do something like this. I think Elon Musk is being strategic. He wants the everything app. He wants messaging, banking, video posting, communications all in one place. It's interesting because in the early days of the Internet, that's exactly what we had with companies like AOL. That was the everything app. You double click the little EXE. If you wanted to go online, you had to go through their dial up and then you had your hub. You had everything in this one space. Granted, it wasn't an app. You weren't going and swiping AOL to purchase things. But there's a bigger question and a bigger issue at hand. Artificial intelligence and where all of this is going. So certainly let's talk about the rebrand, the death of Twitter. Man, I've come a long way for me from the interview I did with Joe Rogan, the uh, discussion I had with Twitter's former executives to now they're no longer being a Twitter. But the bigger question I have has to do with where we as a society go as we move further and further into this digital space. The scary thing is uh, partly based on what I've experienced over the past week. I've been out, maybe you've noticed, and uh, getting medical treatment. And there's a lot, a lot that uh, uh, I witnessed direct, directly as it pertains to the death of culture, artificial intelligence and technology over this past week. It really was a really, really interesting week. I was in Tijuana getting medical treatment for my hip. Uh, the excellent people over at the Cellular Performance, Cellular Performance Institute 
uh, were able to spare me any kind of surgery and help deal with uh, my hip problem in other ways. And uh, in the process of being in Tijuana, seeing the border, hearing these stories, dealing with these big companies, you know, when we, uh, uh, to, to clarify, when I was flying back, we had a big problem with United in that they have no staff, all automated. And this brings me to the problems of the border, the problems of major corporations, and how terrifying this new world is going to be that we are entering. We're not in it completely, but we're about to enter it. And Elon Musk says X will be the everything app. And a lot of people say that with Elon Musk's new XAI company and ChatGPT, it's going to get a whole lot crazier. But they're saying it's going to be a good thing. Hmm. Good thing. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Don't ask me. What I will say is already we are entering a new realm of virtual reality and virtual spaces from the attempts by Mark Zuckerberg to launch the metaverse, which was an apocalyptic failure, to now video game characters who can speak to you in real time using this language, uh, predictive language modeling. Used to be in a video game. Y'all played Mario. You go into the castle and there's Toad and Toad says, thank you, Mario, but your prince is in another castle. The most rudimentary form of communication in these games in Zelda, you walk into the, the cave right when you start and he says, it's dangerous out there, you know, take this or dangerous to go along, whatever he says. There's the little moblin who says it's a secret to everybody. And then you get the rupees. That was rudimentary communications. Now we're at the point where you can speak into a microphone to the game and the the non-player character will respond in a unique way generated by AI. It is not going to be this beautiful future. It's going to be a nightmare dystopia. But we'll get into all that and I'll tell you about my travels in this past week because it does relate to all of this in a really interesting way. Wondering why it is we have the border the way we do. Hearing stories from people about what it used to be like. And then I realized something. All of uh, almost all of our problems, almost it's the death of culture. It is the fragmentation of the human mind and community, the death of the home, the death of home economics in schools. All of this ties to one thing, and that is we're probably going to go into a reality where we all live in these hyper virtual worlds where we don't interact with each other at all because that's the trend. And that's it. It all comes crashing down. Let's read the story about Twitter first so I can give you some breaking news. Daily Mail says Twitter rebrands to X. Elon Musk officially ditches the bird logo after sending staff late night email and says social media platform will become an everything app with instant messaging, banking and more. Sounds so great, doesn't it? Tweeting a picture of the company's new logo, a white X on a black background late Sunday night, Twitter's new chief executive Linda Yaccarino said X is here. Let's do this. X will be, quote, powered by A.I., and will connect us in ways we're just beginning to imagine. Yaccarino said, the new changes are a step closer to Musk's previously stated idea for an everything app that would combine social media, instant messaging, banking, and other ventures. It's kind of like what they do in China. They have a, a what, what, what do they have? Is it Weibo? Musk has since changed his profile picture to the company's new logo, which he described as a minimalist art deco, and his Twitter bio to x.com, which now redirects to twitter.com. Founded in 2006, Twitter takes its name from the sound of birds chattering. And it has used avian branding since its early days. Yeah, 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 blah, blah, blah. The big question is, are we still going to call them tweets? What do you say? Posts? Check out my post on X. I don't know. There's powerful branding in this, this icon that was created. Tweet. Everybody knows what a tweet is. It's in all of these. This is the interesting thing about getting rid of it. You can go and watch Family Guy. You can go and the whole episode of, of Family Guy about Brian Griffin tweeting something and getting canceled. If tweet no longer means anything because of a rebranding decision, what does that mean culturally? 
I don't know. I'm just saying it's an interesting question. In a late night email, Musk wrote to Twitter employees confirming, and I hold on there a minute. This company merged with X some time ago, I'm pretty sure. Elon Musk has reportedly merged Twitter with X Corp. Here's everything we need to know about his ideas for an everything app. This is April 11th, 2023. So Twitter employees, more like they've been X employees for some time. He says, we are indeed changing to X and that it would happen today. This is my last message from a Twitter email. He added before signing off with a salute emoji. So what's going to happen to Twitter.com? They'll probably keep it. and It'll probably always redirect to X. But there's the logo. The change is here. What's happening? About.twitter.com. Oh, that's funny. Elon Musk changed his Twitter profile. I like the logo. I, I, I think the logo is pretty great, actually. Uh, it's, it's, it's cleverly done. It's, it's well done. It's well done. Late Sunday, announcing the changes, Musk and Yaccarino confirmed the social media app would move quickly into payments, banking, and commerce. Musk earlier tweeted that if a good enough X logo is posted tonight, we'll make it go live worldwide tomorrow. And then he just he posted his own logo. So, you know, he had earlier addressed the Twitter logo's departure. Soon we shall bid adieu to the Twitter brand and gradually all birds. Musk also tweeted that under the site's new identity, a post will be called an X. <laughs> no, that's terrible, man. Whatever, dude. I don't really care all that much. The changes were not visible on the website, website uh, on Monday. They say well, we're not visible. The Tesla and SpaceX owner also spoke on a Twitter space and audio live stream on the platform stating that the changes should have been done a long time ago. Sorry, it took so long. No, I don't think I, I don't think they wanted it to take place a long time ago. We, we learned this story a long time ago. It's the legend of eBay. The website was yellow. One day they changed it to white. Everybody complained. It was disastrous. So they changed it back. And then every day from there, they slowly incremented the background color one degree towards white. Until a year later, the background was white and no one noticed the change. Facebook learned this lesson early on. They used to do these massive platform updates and everyone would get really angry. Why? Because everything moved around. It's like, here's my inbox. Here's my messages. Here's how I find my friends. You wake up one day and it's all different. And you're like, Ugh, okay, what do I got to click? People complained about it. What did they learn? Do it in batches. A small group of people would be like, oh, my, my profile changed. Nobody would care because it was a minority of people saying it. So I don't think Elon Musk really did want to come out and just flip the switch. I think this gradual change has been intentional and will continue to gradually change slowly. Eventually, people will stop using Twitter. Eventually, the Twitter app will have to be renamed X. And then you'll have the X app on your phone. But they can't do it right away. They've got to do it in a few months. And probably for only some people, not everybody will update. The app will still work as Twitter, but then people will update to X. Then one day you'll open Twitter and say, you must update this app, boom, X, and they're going to get massive brand value. But they don't want massive complaints. They don't want people to leave the platform. Recently, you all heard, uh, I, as well as several others, were gifted payments from uh, Twitter. Now, look, I don't seriously use Twitter in the way that... Uh, uh, some people do. The Krasensteins, for instance, liberal commentators made something like $26,000 from their engagement on Twitter. And that's awesome. I actually like the Krasensteins. I, I disagree with them, but they're, they're, they're fun Twitter personalities. Some people were annoyed by them, still are. But, uh, but I, I, I appreciate respect people of differing opinions. Maybe they're wrong about things, but I think the interactions are pretty good. Plus, it's kind of funny to see the mainstream media call these liberal guys far right because they got paid by Twitter. That one's good. That one's good. Uh, well, they do work out. As I, I warned him too. I, I tweeted, this is really funny. Brian Krasenstein, he's a liberal guy. He posted a video of him working out. I was like, careful, Brian, you're going to turn conservative. You keep working out. And it was a joke. And then, you know, these liberals are like making fun of me or whatever. And I'm like, dude, I'm kidding. I like that he's working. I said, keep it up, bro. It's, it's great. Work out. It's good for you. 
But this is the interesting thing about the payments and the reason I bring it up. It's step one. Facebook tried launching launching threads. <laughs> I, I, I tried using threads. I had a lot of complaints about it. They're like, one day you'll be able to get a feed of people you follow. No joke. On threads, the, the Instagram app, you can't actually follow the people you follow. Like you can, but your feed will be mixed with a bunch of random garbage. So uh, why, why am I using this? What am I looking at? I don't care about what some, so there's like some guy I've never heard of, like, you know, Raz Shockmaster. And he's like, yo, I just drank another 40 today. And I'm like, I don't know you, dude. Your, your life is not interesting to me. On Twitter, I'm following world leaders, activists, journalists, personality, you know, uh, media, uh, media and political personalities and cultural personalities. Yeah, I choose that because that's what interests me. Threads doesn't interest me. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout fastgrowingtrees.com code pool offer is valid for a limited time terms and conditions may apply here's what's gonna happen the reason they're launching payments well for one it was to compete with instagram obviously this big shift was potentially happening so then boom here's money now there's a real reason to post shows, to post videos, and we'll probably start doing that. In fact, we're exploring simulcasting Timcast IRL onto Twitter, uh, or I should say onto X, because if we make money from doing it, that'd be great. I think uh, Elon needs to really kick up that live streaming capability. Elon, shout out, live streaming with real-time chat would be fantastic, and even something akin to a super chat feature. Here's what I would tell you, Elon Musk, launch something like super chats for Twitter, and keep the, the cut low. Because right now on YouTube, it's like 30%, 35% goes to YouTube. If Elon were to launch a live streaming thing, subsidize it, or at least run it at cost, I think YouTube might actually subsidize it. And someone gave 10 bucks and you got 10 bucks or even nine or eight, you're beating YouTube by a, by a long shot. This is where we're going. He's going to make it the everything app. Elon Musk wants us to use this for everything. Here's the X logo on the Twitter building. And now it all comes, in, comes in, uh, together. Why is it that Elon took the W out and called it Titter? He was attacking the brand. He said from the get-go, this was his plan. He tweeted this in Oct October 2022. Buying Twitter is an accelerant for creating X the everything app. I'm not so convinced this will be a good thing. Sorry. I like Elon Musk. I think he does a lot of really great things. I think SpaceX, one of the most important things we've seen ever. This uh, uh, massive endeavor to build a starship and uh, satellites. I flew on a plane from San Diego to Las Vegas uh, on a, with a company called JSX. It's effectively a private flight, uh, but it, it's a regional airline, no different than, say, like United Express. Do they still exist? Or American Eagle. Don't know if they still exist either. 
But uh, so they're small, small jets, Embraer's 30 seaters, but they fly out of a private terminal. So it's like no security. Just walk on the tarmac, you get in. It's fantastic. On this plane, they had Starlink. I'm sitting on a plane and I got 12 megabits up. Starlink, amazing. So I think Elon's doing a lot of great work. But I got to tell you some other stuff. I got to tell you some other stuff about my experiences. And I want to show you a few stories. Here's one. Lowe's fires elderly woman who was punched three times trying to stop a robbery. Man, the 68-year-old woman has worked at the Rincon Lowe's for 13 years. Said, Here's another one from the Post Millennial. Former Kmart in Portland that became a homeless squat burns down in huge fire. These stories. You know, why, why, why do we see these stories? Why, why are we hearing these stories? You know what I realized? Something I've talked about quite a bit. I shouldn't say I realized it. It's not the laws. It's culture. And where we're going with AI and technology will be the further death of culture. And I don't think it will be a good thing. So I'm down in Tijuana getting some medical treatment from our friends over at the Cellular Performance Institute. It was amazing. Uh, uh, uh. I had been looking into going to the doctor. Of course, you saw I was out for a week. I had a hip, I have a hip problem. Uh, I should say had for the most part. And we were concerned it was a labrum tear. That's what I had said. I had spoken to a doctor, some other pro athletes, and they said, your symptoms are indicative of, of torn cartilage. You've you got to get this taken care of. There's a bunch of different treatments for it. The uh, older version is to, well, the oldest is take painkillers. Good luck. Have a nice day. The oldest was, sorry, your leg hurts. Uh, later on, they eventually said we can take, you know, cartilage or tissues and we can stitch it up and sew it back together. And then uh, eventually we got to platelet rich plasma and stem cell treatments, which they do here in the U.S. The only problem is it takes way too long. I was told it would be two weeks before my initial consultation. If we even were going to do an MRI, it's going to be a week after that. So long story short, went down to Tijuana where uh, so you may have heard of this uh, Cellular Performance Institute from the Joe Rogan podcast where Eddie Bravo talked about getting his shoulder fixed. And boy, did they patch me up super quick. Got everything done. It was bang, bang, bang. Day one, MRI, IV treatments. And I got good news. They were able to spare me surgery. They were able to uh, give me some treatments, which uh, long story short, I think seriously, like I can't believe how quickly it alleviated the problem. Basically, I have uh, the simple version of it because I'm not going to get into like my full medical history. Uh, a, a series of consistent traumatic hip injuries from skateboarding for, for nearly 30 years. And uh, they were like, it's caused some damage so we can we can help you fix it. And uh, they basically did. And I'm, I'm really excited for that. But here's the real reason. I'm uh, For one, there's the update. I'm back. My leg seems to be almost completely better. My mind is blown. Shout out to, to, to Scott over at uh, uh, CPI. Uh, really great, man. That story from Rogan and Eddie Bravo. No joke, man. No joke. I, it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, but it does talk to the um, horrifying nature of medical care in the United States. Because so many people go to Mexico for their medical care, dental care. And I went to Tijuana for this. But here's, what, here's, here, here's some of the stories I learned while I'm down there. We went to the Tijuana border. We're standing on the beach. And there's the fence that goes out into the ocean. On the other side, not really much there, some seagulls, some birds, and some border patrol officers in the United States. I'm on the Mexican side. And on the Mexican side, there's people partying. There's a boardwalk. It's really, really quite amazing. Um, it, was really, it, was really, it was really cool. And the, the hospital, the clinic was literally just like right there. And uh, uh, this is a crazy story. True story. I got to tell you, I was in an Uber. We were leaving the clinic, heading back to our hotel. And the driver told me that he had lived illegally in the United States for something like 12 or 20 years. It's hard to understand. English wasn't his first language. And we're like, wow. He says, mom got sick. And so he came down, came back down to, to Mexico to see her. He could not get back into the United States. 
He had entered legally decades ago and stayed and uh, seemed to have no problems. But he couldn't get back in now. And he says, it sucks. I hate it. I don't want to be here. He wanted to be back up in like Northern California or something. So he spoke with traffickers. He literally called them traffickers. This is the crazy thing. He says, so the traffickers bring me to the wall and it's 40 feet and he's climbing it with a ladder. And when he gets to the top, they took the ladder down. They took it down. So he's stuck. He falls 40 feet and he said he shattered his pelvis. And he's like, he's going to try it again. And I'm just like, man, that's crazy. For one thing, why are you telling me this? That's what he told us. Maybe he was lying. I don't know. It's a crazy story, though. I'm, I'm sad the guy got hurt. I understand how amazing this country is and why you'd want to be here. But, dude, I don't know. Something about it's just like, look, man, you know, I, I guess you can call it winning, winning, winning the childbirth lottery to be born here in the United States. Everybody wants to be here, but we can't just allow everyone to jump the fence and come on in. But why is that? Here's the interesting thing. We returned from Tijuana and we're in San Diego. And uh, I think we were talking to our Uber driver who said that his grand, he's lived there his whole life. His, uh, it was a cab driver. I don't think it was an Uber driver. And that his um, grandfather had lived there as well. And the back then, long time ago, I don't know about his grandfather, actually. He said the stories he was told is that there didn't used to be a border. You'd literally just drive across. It was just an imaginary line. And people from Mexico would come and work in the U.S. And people in the U.S. would go down and work in Mexico. It was just no different than a state line. But the difference was your allegiance, your access to public goods and things like that. And it was very much like this is all pre-taxation. Something interesting happens. We begin taxing people. The government, government <coughs> excuse me, begins saying, we're going to take a portion of your money. And we're going to apply that to public goods. Well, now you've got an, a question, an issue of citizenship. Now it's, hey, look, no one really cares what you're doing because, you know, no one's getting taxed. We all just live and work and we're all living here peacefully. Once you get an income tax, all of a sudden it's like, hey, man, they take my money to pay for all this stuff. You coming here and taking from the public pool without paying is a problem for me. This is what ends up happening. This shift, this expansion of government and this breakdown of community results in harsher borders. But I think the real issue is it didn't used to matter because when these things were happening, you would just say outright like, hey, look, man, we, we provide these things to our citizens. That's not you. But there's no scruples anymore and there's no community. There's no sense of nation. For the most part, it's falling apart. There are a lot of people who like this, a lot of people who don't. But ultimately, what I ended up seeing was our problems stem from a lack of community and culture. Why do we need a border barrier? Because these people who are trying to jump the fence, they don't care about you. They don't care about us. They care about themselves. They want something. So we build massive bollard fencing walls, whatever you want to call it, to keep them out because they don't share our convictions. They don't share community with us. They would seek to just come here to benefit themselves. As the saying uh, when it was John F. Kennedy, ask not what you, uh, you uh, what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Interesting thought. And there are a lot of people who want to come here who just want to benefit economic migrants. They're not here to make this country great. They're not here to make it better. And thus, what do we see? The rise of a multicultural democracy versus a constitutional republic. And that's where I think Twitter, to bring it all back together, and the X app may actually make things worse. Look, you have people who like Donald Trump, people who like Ron DeSantis. DeSantis ain't doing so well, but people who like him, these people tend to believe in this country. They tend to want a strong America, a unified America, a community of Americans 
And that includes immigrants. Not everybody is for immigration, but you come here legally, you are allowed to become an American. It's the American dream, right? The problem is for too long, we've had people come to this country who don't care about our culture, our community, our way of life, not citizens, and with increasing, uh, in, in increasing numbers, displacing the people in this country who actually do care about it. A couple generations of people coming in this country and having kids, kids who grew up on their, their traditional values from other countries, and what makes America starts to get pushed aside. This fracturing of community results in breakdown in law and order, corruption, theft, crime. Go look at ancient Rome. You can't maintain a society this way. Elon Musk is launching this AI, right? Already, AI is kind of creepy because people isolate themselves and they're going to with AI girlfriends and AI virtual reality worlds where all of your dreams will come true and the computer will just give you whatever you want. Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. And creating this everything app, I think the internet is actually fracturing everything. I'm not saying it's wrong to do it. It's the natural progression, I suppose. We're going to buy everything using one app. It may actually make things easier. And perhaps it could be wrong. Perhaps having one app for everything brings people together. But it really does seem like instead, we used to, we used to go to our neighbors talk to them, borrow things from them. Now we're online. We don't communicate with our neighbors. A dude who lives right on top of someone else in New York has nothing in common with the, pe- with the guy he lives right next to. The guy on the bottom might be a furry who's into a bunch of, you know, uh, unicycling and anime. And the guy above him might be a uh, classic pianist who, uh, you know, works at a classy upscale bar and they have nothing in common and nothing to talk about. But online, they find all those things. So what's happening is effectively the digitization of our culture. Pixelization. Where it used to be more analog, waves. A building, a lot of people would share similar values and views. They all live together for a reason. These places still exist. You've got, say, like the Hasidic Jewish community in New York. They all live together. They share values. They dress similarly. They live near each other. But with the digitization, you now have one apartment is a Hasidic Jew. One apartment is a Roman Catholic. One apartment is a secular atheist. They don't talk to each other, but they go online and they connect with people. It's funny. I saw a meme. Somebody was doing something, posting something really weird. And, they were, and someone uh, commented as like 4chan or something saying, back in the day, this person would have been shamed and humiliated. But because of the internet, they can isolate themselves, find other degenerates online to back them up and support them. And they feel good about it. Kind of creepy, right? Like, you know, I've talked about this with AOC. 
Why does she get elected? Not because her policies are good. It's because she can find resources online from other weirdos. Here's how it goes. You live in New York City. You go knock on doors. You better represent the majority of values of New Yorkers. AOC certainly does not. I mean, the polls prove it. But she can go online, network with all the other weirdos who think the same thing she does, and they'll give her money, and then she's, you know, she, she's, she's going to win. She can go online and connect with enough people to win a primary, and then because of the way politics goes, she wins. And this is exactly where we are headed in a worse way. XAI. I don't know if Elon is going to go dark with it. Maybe he's, the, he's actually trying to guide it and fix it. There are certainly things to criticize the guy over. But if you can go online right now and find a crackpot weirdo who agrees with you and then end up getting elected for office, imagine what it's going to be like if as a crackpot weirdo you go online and the AI just becomes that face. I want you to imagine this. You're online speaking to your best friend, and it, this may already be the case with dead internet theory. You're online talking to someone you met. They're really cool. Now imagine you're holding your phone and there is a black tentacle from a gigantic million tentacled beast with a hideous face and fangs. And what's at, what you're actually talking to is the tentacle. Like in the Futurama movie, remember that? You think you're talking to a person, but as the demonic appendage of a gigantic monster we've created. It may already be the case. Now, for me, now I don't have to tell you, I, uh, uh, you know, I'm in Vegas and I see a bunch of people like, you know, hey, what's up, man? We love the show. So I know that y'all actually exist for the most part. Maybe some of you don't. But imagine that with Twitter or any other app, anonymous, faceless personalities agreeing or disagreeing with you. You'll go on Twitter. You'll say, I think we should have closed borders. And then you will get slammed by a bunch of people. You think your fans being like, well, Maybe not completely closed. We want immigration, right? Like it'll, it'll be more moderate. What you're really hearing is the tentacled AI beast. And you won't know it. That's the scary reality. Now, maybe that will unify culture, but I don't think it'll unify culture in a very positive way. And that's the scary thing all about it. We may already be under the control of this monster machine. Dead internet theory says that most people online are gone and it's just bots. But that'll be reality. You'll go onto Twitter and you'll say something like, hey, man, we should be forced to get medicated. And then you get slammed with millions of posts being like you're exaggerating, you're hyperbolic, calm down. And then you feel shunned and ostracized. And you say that I say something wrong. Everybody's mad at me. When in reality, it's just the machine. In reality, most humans feel the same way. You'll own nothing and you'll be happy. They want to separate you, isolate you, make you hate your neighbor, because if you don't communicate with your neighbor, how do you know what people really think? Thus, the lockdowns. You could go online. All of your opinions were being filtered by the Twitter machine and its algorithm. Say one thing and it was gone. Say the right thing and they'll promote it. So no longer were you talking to your neighbors about the values they actually held, what they agreed with or disagreed with. You were only saying or hearing what the machine would let you see or hear. Welcome to that nightmare dystopia, my friends. I'll wrap it up with some personal whinging, but something I think is relevant. On our way back, uh, here's the story. We, you know, we go to Tijuana, I'm getting medical treatment, and boy, yo, let me just say this. I've been having range of motion issues for months, and, it's, and it got bad in the past week to the point where I'm like, I gotta go to the doctor now. I was unable to skate. I mean, I, I could skate, but the pain was getting tremendous. 
And uh, I would rest. I'd be like, maybe there's a problem. I take a week off and it would come back with vengeance, whatever. I'm just going to say this. Got a medical treatment from uh, these guys over at CPI and uh, it's better. Range of motions 100% now. I woke up today like, wow, it's amazing. Amazing stuff. Here's the story. We come back. uh, We're coming back from Tijuana and a couple of the guys are like, we're going to go to stop in Vegas on the way back. Some of the best food you'll ever have. Why don't you come hang out? And I said, look, you know, we got the weekend. Uh, Why don't we just instead of flying straight back, stop in Vegas for the day and then fly back. So that's what we did. And uh, while we're in Vegas, we are we're having a good time. And so we book with United to fly back. Flight was at 6 a.m., which means we got to wake up at like 3.30, get to the airport by 4. Boarding was at 5. At 2 something in the morning, I get an email saying they, 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 they took me off my flight. We were booked first class and rebooked me on a different flight without my permission, without my knowledge, downgraded to coach in the toilet seats, not even sitting next to my girlfriend. And so we get to the airport. My ticket doesn't work. And I'm like, well, what's going on? I pull up the app and it's like, see agent. And I'm like, what? Well, that new ticket gets me through security. I get to the gate. No agents anywhere. Not a single employee. Boarding was in 20 minutes. Oh, boarding was in like 25 minutes. And so I'm like, what do I do? So I call United. What do I get? A robot. Robot can't help me because robot doesn't understand what's going on. Amazing. Finally, they open up the gate and I ask a woman, she says, I have no idea what you're talking about. You're, are you on the flight or not? And I'm like, how did we get moved from our flight, which was to, it was a Houston to, to DC, to a Denver to DC and downgraded. Am I getting a refund for that? Nothing I can do. Ultimately it comes down to this. Do I just get on the plane and come home or do I, you know, what? cancel the flight and then be stranded in Vegas. I'm like, I got to come home. I got to do work. I try calling another agent. Can't help me. The funniest thing I experienced was I'm standing at the counter right as they're opening. They open at five. And there's a woman saying, sir, I'm sorry. We can't get your bag loaded because the computers are off. And then it hit me. How hilarious is that? Dude, pick up his bag and put it on a shelf. Can't do it. Only the computer has the authority to determine if that bag can go on the plane. Now, look, I get it. I used to load planes, all right, when I was 18-something, 20-something, 20-something years ago, just about 20 years ago. I would load those planes, and um, you got to proper weight counts and things like that. But here's the reality. We did the weight count as human beings. We would load the bags on, write down how many bags they were, do an average weight size, and give that manifest to the pilot. The fact that they couldn't put a guy's bag on the plane because the computer was off is laughable to me. Think about what life must have been like in the past. Like, well, we're going to get your bag on the plane. Write his name down on it. Tie it around there and be like, just pick it up. We'll valet it. That's what they call valeting it. They take your bag. They bring it to the gate. They load it into like, um, not the aft, the forward section underneath the plane. And then pull out and give back to you right when you land. Not a checked bag. It's a valet. They couldn't do it. And I'm like, this is the AI future. You are going to be talking to a person being like, I would like to, you'll have a book. You'll be at like a bookstore. Well, I shouldn't say bookstore because that's all digital. You're trying to buy food. And I'm like, I have the food. Here's the money. Take my money. And they're going to be like, I can't. The computer's down. It's like, dude, let me buy this thing from you. No, I can't. The computer's down. Yo, it is a rudimentary task. I will literally just put the money here. I'll leave. When your computer turns back on, then you can run the transaction. Sorry, I can't do it. That's where we're at. We're there. Another funny thing that happened to me was that, um, traveling, my bank card gets frozen. 
it happens. And they're like, you got to put a travel alert on. There's no one to call. No joke. And I have a major bank. I call. And it's like, hello. How would you like to proceed? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, please enter your access ID, blah, blah, blah. And I do all that. And it's like, how can we help you today? And then I'm like, uh, I need a human being. I'm having problems with my debit card. And it's like, I'm sorry. I didn't get that. I can understand a wide range of questions. Try asking. And I'm like, okay, like my debit card's not working. I'm sorry. I didn't get that. Try asking again. And then I'm like, unlock, unfreeze debit card, debit card not working. Goes, it seems like you have an ATM question. I'm transferring you now. And then it transfers me to some totally unrelated business line. I'm just like, this is it. This is the nightmare dystopia. We've known about this for a long time because of uh, social media. There's no customer service. When you got a problem with Twitter, what do you do? Ask your friend to tweet at Elon Musk. That's not going to work in the future. Yo, welcome to the dark side, my friends. That dystopia is here. So, we, I, you know, one thing I'll say as I wrap this up, I really want to hire a uh, short film director, producer, filmmaker, because I really want to make these short film dystopian, you know, uh, videos. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I want to make one where uh, we got a couple ideas. One where it's like an incel who gets who, who buys his girlfriend. A theme that's been done before, but it wouldn't be as dark and twisted. It would just be like an, a window into what life would be like. Don't date robots. Feature my reference. But um, I really want to do one where it's like a day in the life of a guy who literally can't get anything done because the system is down and what life would be like. But it wouldn't be this like dystopian view of it. It would be rather mundane. Like the guy is trying to they're, they're like a, he's, he's a, a, a toll booth and the toll booth operator is like, I'm sorry, man, I, I can't I can't let you through. The, the register is not opening. It's like, well, I'm on the highway. What do I do? I'm sorry. We're just have to wait. Big traffic jam. Like you can't just fan the guy through. A guy gets a, a, a ticket, a fine. He goes to court. Instead of there being a judge or anybody, it's like you've it's, it, he goes up to a machine and it's like, hello, citizen. Or actually, it, it wouldn't be, you know, that, that old voice of like, hello, welcome to that. We don't do that anymore. Now it would be like, hello, John, welcome to court. You've been fined five hundred dollars for speeding. And then he's gonna be like, I wasn't speeding. This is an error. I'm sorry. I didn't get that. And he's going to be like, I'm not paying $500. I wasn't speeding. I'm sorry. Is that guilty? Guilty. License suspended. All that kind of stuff. That's where we're going. Anyway, this one's gone long. I should wrap it up because I got to record more segments. I'm back. I'm feeling better than ever. Again, shout out to the Cellular Performance Institute. Uh, It was such an incredible experience. Uh, Man, I got to admit, as much as I was like getting MRIs, uh, which sucked. Like it, I'm sweating my ass off. I'm in this tube for 40 some odd minutes and uh, getting like IVs and like getting poked and stuff like that. It was like a mini vacation to be down, down in Tijuana. And I really had a great time. So I really do appreciate it. Uh, next segment is coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you all then. Hunter Biden put then VP dad Joe on the phone with business associates at least two dozen times. According to Devin Archer, was a business partner to Hunter Biden, 
who is going to be testifying before Congress. And they've put this information out already. Devin Archer, of course, is facing some serious criminal charges. Now, it's a tough segment to do because I know that you know this is obvious. This news is not earth shattering to anyone. The left will not accept it. Liberals will completely ignore it. Conservatives already know this and expect more. So what is it? What's the point? Man, honestly, I really don't know. I mean, let's think about the implications for two seconds. Is it ultimately that we are trying to sway some semblance of a middle ground? Perhaps. We saw the polls. If the American public knew about Hunter Biden's laptop, I think it was between like six and maybe even as high as like 11 percent of people said they would have voted for Donald Trump. And perhaps there are a lot of people who are finally being convinced by all of this stuff. Fair point. But I think the bigger question here is, what does it all mean? And in the bigger context, I'm going to say it. So get ready to pour yourselves a shot. Civil war. Yeah, I know. What does that really mean? What does it refer to? It's tough. I'll, I'll say it like this. My understanding of civil war is typically defined as two factions fighting for control of one government. The definition has been expanded because of the American Civil War to basically mean when two factions fight for control of one government or to dissolve an existing governmental structure of some sort. And that was because they wanted to bring in the American Civil War because the South wasn't trying to take over D.C. They were trying to secede from the Union. However, it did ultimately change later on. And then things got a whole lot, whole, whole lot crazier. The Confederacy actually invaded the North. And uh, oh, boy. Oh, boy. So let's think about that for two seconds. Right now, we may be in a more of a bleeding Kansas type phase. And you've heard me talk about this before. This was the, the period before the Civil War, which was effectively a smaller civil war. There was conflict, fighting, murder, shooting, etc. in Kansas because they were fighting over whether or not it would be a slave state or a free state. And it never ended. Bleeding Kansas just carried on throughout the Civil War. Where are we now? Well, aside from the fact that we know Hunter Biden and his dad were doing illicit business dealings, that's a fact, no criminal charges. We have even the New York Times running the story. I'm sorry, this is the wrong New York Times. Here you go. IRS whistleblowers allege political bias in Hunter Biden investigation. Two veteran investigators spent several hours detailing to a House committee the ways in which they believed President Biden's son received preferential treatment. So we know about that. And then we have this Michigan charges 16 in false elector scheme to overturn Trump's 2020 loss. They say among those facing felony charges was Michonne Maddock, a Trump ally and a former co-chair of the Michigan Republican Party. Did they actually do anything wrong? No. No, they didn't. And I've got historical proof. I can show you exactly what this is and how they did nothing wrong. But they're being charged with like fraud and conspiracy. Why? Well, you see, you're in a civil war and only one side is fighting. You've got Fox News reportedly matching donations to like the Satanic Temple or whatever. Their ratings are in the gutter. You've got Republicans issuing strongly worded letters and you've got Democrats letting criminals go quite literally in tons of different cities, ignoring the crimes of the Biden family and prosecuting their political opponents, including Donald Trump, as well as these Republicans we see in Michigan. Now, that's some serious stuff. Now, you may be saying, Tim, civil war is when two sides take up arms and they march towards each other and they draw lines. Yeah. 
yeah, okay. Okay. All right. Well, then tell me this. Uh, serious question. What would you call it when there is no need for direct physical confrontation because one side drops to its knees and says, I'm so sorry, please, please spare me. I guess you wouldn't call it a civil war. I suppose you could call it a revolution. Maybe. I don't know. Not so much, really. I mean, look, there is a cold civil war. There is some kind of cultural battle. There's an information warfare. We are in it. And we are watching the weaponization of the government in real time. Even when there's a Republican House committee on the weaponization of government, quite literally having Devin Archer testify, Michigan criminally charges people for doing nothing wrong. Now, I know the Democrats and liberals who may be seeing this are already saying there was a scheme to issue false electors for Donald Trump. Yeah, I'll get into greater detail, but I don't want to bury the lead here. Just show you this right here. This is the uh, uh, Wikipedia entry for uh, uh, the election between JFK and Richard Nixon. And uh, I need only search Hawaii to show you that in this election, Democrats, despite losing, had their electors issue the votes. And guess what? After a court ruling some months later, they decided, you know what? Even though the Democrats were not certified and the Republicans were, we're going to give it to JFK instead. Now, that's really interesting. How did these these electors convene? Well, I'll read more into that uh, uh, for you in a bit. They say there were clear discrepancies in official electoral tabulations and Democrats petitioned for a recount. This is basically what happened in Michigan and other states. The electors who were for the Republicans were not elected. That's how it works. You are when you vote, you're electing electors. You are voting for an elector. The Democrat elector gets elected. He votes for who he wants. And there were some attempts at faithless electors. But in this instance, back in the 60s and in, in 2020, the losing side, presumably, decided we are going to issue the papers and have them ready because if a court does issue this ruling, we need these documents as they did in uh, what was this? 1961, 19, uh, uh, 1960 election, I believe. But let's first read about Hunter Biden's abject corruption from The New York Post. Hunter Biden would dial in his father, then Vice President Joe Biden, on speakerphone into meetings with his overseas business partners, according to testimony expected before Congress this week from Devin Archer, the first son's former best friend. Archer, 48, who is facing jail for his role in a $60 million bond fraud, is scheduled to testify to the House Committee Oversight, uh, I'm sorry, the House Oversight Committee about meetings he witnessed that were attended by Joe Biden either in person or via speakerphone, when Hunter would call his father and introduce him to foreign business partners or prospective investors. Quote, we're looking forward very much to hearing from Devin Archer about all the times he has witnessed Joe Biden meeting with Hunter Biden's overseas business partners when he was vice president. One such meeting was in Dubai late in the evening of Feb uh, Friday, December 8th, uh, December 4th, 2015, after a board meeting of the Ukrainian energy company Burisma which was paying Hunter $83,000 a month as a director. Archer, who also was a director, is expected to testify that after dinner with, Burisma's bo uh, with the Burisma board at the Burj Al Arab, uh, Arab Hotel, geez, he and Hunter traveled six miles north to the Four Seasons Resort, Dubai, at Jer oh man, Jumeirah Beach. I'm having a hard enough pro time pronouncing words as it is. To have a drink with one of Hunter's friends. While they were sitting outside at the bar, Vadim Pajarsky, 
a senior Burisma executive phoned to ask where they were because Burisma's owner, Michael Zlachevsky, needed to speak to Hunter urgently. Can you ring your dad? Soon afterwards, the two Ukrainians joined Hunter and Archer at the Four Seasons Bar, and Pajarsky asked Hunter, can you ring your dad? At the time, uh, it was early afternoon Friday in Washington, D.C. Hunter then called his father, put him on speaker, placed the phone on the table, and introduced the Ukrainians to Joe by name as Nikolai and Vadim. He also said words to the effect that Burisma's bigwigs need our support. VP Biden greeted Ukrainians but spoke only in vague pleasantries during the short call. And in other such interactions with Hunter's overseas business partners, Archer is expected to testify. So it'll be interesting to see what he, act- what he actually says. What did Joe Biden say? Did Joe Biden say, I want to be involved in this? Did he say, you better do what my son says? We don't know that we will hear. Now, I hear from liberal commentators that while Donald Trump was president, you had uh, uh, Middle Eastern business dealings with the likes of Jared Kushner. You had Ivanka Trump getting trademarks in China while Trump was involved in some other political business dealings. I'm not a big fan of this. I know, I know. And Donald Trump tried to use Trump derail for, I think it was the G7. I'm not a big fan of this. I think it's bad. I think it's wrong. The, the State Department in, I believe it was in Scotland, I could be wrong, was running advertisements for one of Trump's resorts or something. Also wrong. I think these things are bad. I think in many instances, you've probably got some ethics violations. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But if Donald Trump wasn't directly involved in these dealings, what am I supposed to say? That, of course, his family members were utilizing foreign experience and doing these deals? Not good things. But I don't know how you separate any of this stuff. I'm not saying Trump should be absolved of any potential wrongdoing. I am saying quite literally investigate him for those reasons. Ah, but they won't. Why? Because the Bidens are in trouble for that. If they were to come out and say Donald Trump's family was involved in foreign business dealings, enriching themselves, they'd have to go, whoopsie, the Clintons and the Bidens and the Obamas. And uh oh, it goes entirely down the line. Lock them all up for all I care. Trump family included, if that's the case. No special treatment. Hey, you want to go one step further? I want answers on the commando raid in Yemen that resulted in the death of a little American girl, Abdurrahman Alalaki's little sister. These are allegations. But I'll say it uh, clearly and plainly. If it is true that Donald Trump ordered a commando raid, which resulted in collateral damage, the death of an American citizen, we got a big problem on our hands. It should be investigated. There should be some accountability. But this is a big difference. In Barack Obama ordering a drone strike on a civilian restaurant in Yemen, a country we are not at war with, killing a 16-year-old American citizen. Both are really bad. Both should be investigated. But you know what? They won't do it because if they go after Trump, they got to go after every single person down the line who did worse. My point is this. I don't care for any of the corruption, malfeasance or, 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 or otherwise. If there is credible evidence, a preponderance of evidence, we can initiate initial investigation. And if we see some criminal wrongdoing, we move. But now they're going after Trump on these records. Now they're going after uh, they're they're claiming that Trump did wrong with his business dealings. Yo, you don't get to sit there and say, we're not going to go after Biden because Trump did it, too. 
Now I take the opposite approach. Oh, we're going to we're going to have to lock up the Biden family and then we're going to investigate the Trump. See if there's anything there. I don't care. I am totally for it. You know why? If Trump committed crimes, lock him up. If he didn't commit crimes, then don't waste our time. Don't interpret things which are dubious and legally vague as criminal only if Trump does it. That's the issue I take. I'll put it simply. Anybody who commits a crime, okay, to be fair, there are certain crimes where we, we have legal challenges on them, like gun control issues and certain drugs. Yeah, I get it. Take, with the, take up with the courts. But we cannot exist in this multi-tiered justice system where Donald Trump can fart and get arrested for it. And Joe Biden can literally be on the phone two dozen times on these illicit business deals. And get this, when Donald Trump uncovers this, they impeach him for it. You want to talk about civil war, my friends? Let's go there. Take a look at this story. Let's get into the nitty gritty details. The Michigan attorney general announced felony charges on Tuesday against 16 Republicans for falsely portraying themselves as electors from the state in an effort to overturn Trump's 2020 defeat there. This is a lie, an outright lie from The New York Times. Each of the defendants was charged with eight felony counts, including forgery and conspiracy to commit forgery on accusation that they had signed documents attesting falsely that they were Michigan's duly elected and qualified electors for president and vice president. They were the duly elected and qualified electors, and each of the defendants knew it. They carried out these actions in the hope and belief the electoral votes of Michigan's 2020 election would be awarded to the candidate of their choosing instead of the candidate that Michigan voters actually chose. Here's a question. If uh, I go outside and proclaim that I am a king or whatever and sign a document hereby decreeing I own land, is that a crime? Is that illegal? That's ridiculous. Now, they're making the argument that because they said they were duly elected uh, elector, duly qualified electors and they were elected, etc., that it was fraud because they were attempting to trick people into thinking they were the elected electors or whatever. There's a legal dispute going on. What is to be done? You've got two sides in an actual legal dispute. So they fill out the paperwork and they say, let's see what happens. And guess what? They did not win. Biden got elected and it was all over. But now they're gearing up for the insurrection claim against Donald Trump to try and remove him from the ballot. And, uh, you know, look, I got to tell you, you got Ron DeSantis coming out and he says he gets attacked more by the corporate press than even Trump because they're scared that DeSantis can actually beat Joe Biden. Look, despite his bad polling, I really do think DeSantis has a strong shot at beating Biden. And I'll tell you why, because I have been out there, my friends, touching grass and speaking with people about what they think. And a lot of people have said, I hope it's not Trump. A lot of middle regular Americans who don't know much about politics are like, I vote for DeSantis, not Biden. If it is Biden, you might actually see DeSantis win. But I think DeSantis campaign is doing a very, very poor job. And the supporters for DeSantis are, ooh, yikes. But let's let's get back to this. I, I, I don't want to deviate too much. So let's let's wind it back. Wind it back. Let's talk about going back in time to this election here. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the 1960 United States presidential election in which Democratic John F. Kennedy won. Republican Richard Nixon was defeated. Well, good on you, Kennedy and Lyndon Johnson. Boy, we all know how that turned out. Yikes. I suppose JFK would have preferred to have lost at this point. But, uh, you know, what am I supposed to say? He had Nixon with Henry Cabot Lodge Jr. for vice president. Look at that. Look at that strapping young Richard Nixon. That's crazy, huh? Vice president, 36 vice president of the United States, Richard Nixon. All right. So let's jump down to the issue at hand. And we'll talk about civil war. Here's what they say. A sample of how close the election was can be seen in California, Nixon's home state. 
Kennedy seemed to have carried the state by 37,000 votes when all the voting precincts reported. But when the absentee ballots were counted a week later, Nixon came from behind to win the state by 36,000 votes. Similarly, in Hawaii, official results showed Nixon winning by a small margin of 141, with the state being called for him early Wednesday morning. Acting Governor James Kilioa, is it Kialoha? Ki, uh, there you go. Certified the Republican electors. Let me just repeat that for you. Certified the Republican electors. And they cast Hawaii's three electoral votes for Nixon. However, clear discrepancies existed in the official electoral tabulations. The Democrats petitioned for a recount in Hawaii Circuit Court. The court challenge was still ongoing at the time of the Electoral Courts uh, Electoral Counts Act uh, safe harbor deadline. But Democratic electors still convened the Lalani Palace on the constitutionally mandated date of December 19th and cast their votes for Kennedy. The recount completed before Christmas resulted in Kennedy being declared the winner by 115 votes. On December 30th, the circuit court ruled that Hawaii's three electoral votes should go to Kennedy. It was decided that a new certificate was necessary. With only two days remaining before Congress convened on January 6, 1961, to count and certify the electoral college votes, a letter to Congress saying a certificate was on the way was rushed out by registered airmail. Both Democrat and Republican electoral votes from Hawaii were presented for counting on January 6, 1961. And Vice President Nixon, who presided over certification, graciously and sang without the intent of establishing a precedent, requested unanimous consent for the Democratic votes for Kennedy to be counted. That's right. The Republicans were certified as the actual uh, uh, electoral votes. Democrats? Well, wait a minute. They met anyway and declared themselves duly elected electors and cast votes? Fraud and conspiracy, I say. I stand with Michigan against this horrible O. You get the point. Back then, Democrats did it. Why would anyone else do anything different today? They're just following historical precedent. Granted, and graciously saying, without the intent of establishing precedent, but there you go. Here we are. For this, the Michigan electors will be criminally charged. They're being charged. Now, of course, as the story goes, they're saying that some of these Republican electors have come out and said, I was tricked. I was I was duped. I had nothing to do with this because Republicans are cowards. Come on, man. Look, maybe you're a Republican. I'm not saying you're a coward. I'm saying there is a strong percentage of people who are Republican who are cowards. I got to tell you, you know, the reality is maybe not nowadays, but uh, 10 years ago, took a lot of bravery for, for you know, LGBT types uh, of people to come out and tell the world who they are. In fact, still to this day, it's very difficult for people to come out and, and you know, be LGBT, despite the fact, I know many people are going to say, but every corporation, every logo, yeah, but there is still social stigma. You know, I, I look at that and I'm just like, here's the reality, man. Conservatives are too scared, not as a whole, but too many of them. Don't speak up, don't speak out, don't stand up for what they believe in, and quite simply will not criminally charge Democrats, throw the book at them, lock them up. They want to play this game in, in, in Michigan? Why won't Republicans do anything about it? Your guess is as good as mine, I suppose. We learned a lot about Fox News recently. Looks like just a whole bunch of controlled opposition, I suppose. So this is where we are. This is where we currently are, my friends. Some kind of civil war. Take a look at this post. So I tweeted, you are in a civil war. Rob McNeely, who's this guy? He's verified. He says, uh, T-U-S-C founder, photographer, 
fabricator says, are you saying they did not sign their names? Huh? <laughs> what? What are you talking about? I didn't say anything about that. Tyler Brown responds, no, just that they're charging Republicans for the exact same ish Democrats have done in the past. Fitzgerald responds when? And we have this post. In 2016, a small group of Democratic electors pledged to vote for another candidate in the hopes of swaying Republican electors to vote for anyone but Trump. They were known as Hamilton electors after a Federalist paper in which Alexander Hamilton, blah, 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 blah. You get the point. Congress certified Trump's Electoral College victory on January 6th. Now, hold on there a minute. We got a fact check for you. Fact check from factcheck.org. This is how they manipulate. It says, post misleadingly equates 2016 Democratic effort to Trump's 2020 alternate electors. This is from a year ago, 2022. And they basically say that this post is not true. Faithless electors are people who vote for someone else. Like a, a Trump elector gets a, 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 someone votes for Trump, a Republican electors appointed, and they say, you know what, I'm going to vote Democrat instead. In fact, you had them. That's allowed. And there are problems with it. Fine, whatever, but it's allowed. But that's not what we're talking about. You see, today what we're talking about is if you go back to Hawaii, Republicans were certified as the winner in Hawaii. But they decided to count the Democrat votes instead. Now, I can already hear the liberals saying a court ordered it, Tim. Duh. And in this instance, it went swimmingly. The Republican electors filled out the requisite paperwork for their pending court decision, which rejected their claims. And it was over. Joe Biden got the votes. The system worked. So why criminally charge the people who are following procedure? Because you are in a civil war. It's just that only Democrats are fighting. You don't need to have hot conflict when the Republicans lay down when the Democrats come charging in. That's just the way it is. Now, maybe I shouldn't call them Republicans and Democrats because certainly some Republicans are on the side of the Democrats. But this is where we're currently at. We're going to learn a lot from Devin Archer, I imagine. And so we'll see. That's all I can really say. Where this all goes, I don't know, but I do want to shout out Sound of Freedom. 125 million, the box office, number three in the country. Yo, we are turning this thing around. We are fighting in, 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 in unique ways. I talked about this in my earlier segment about the border wall and stuff. I do not believe our problems are solved by laws and, and, and wall, laws and walls. It's a good one, right? Our problems are solved by culture. Ron Paul said abortion shouldn't be illegal. It should be unthinkable. He's right. Now, I know you're saying people shouldn't be allowed to get abortions. Many of you, not all of you, many of you probably, you know, to some degree pro-choice in a similar position to me. But the point is simply this. You don't need to ban it if no doctor would perform one, if no person would seek one. If our culture said it is immoral, wrong, and we will not tolerate it, you don't need law. You need law for like property disputes, which is why they say property is nine tenths of the law, because we can all agree on like, hey, you know, don't kill people. But when someone's like, according to this document, you owe me a thousand dollars. I know. But according to clause three, I don't. Now you've got issues stealing from people. Yeah, we do have laws for a reason. I'm excited to see where this testimony goes. But ultimately, I think what we need to be focusing on is building culture. I'm not saying to ignore the stuff. I'd love it if Republicans actually started going after Democrats in similar ways. Will that just lead to hot conflict? Perhaps. So maybe the path towards winning this is dominating culture and shutting it all down, making it unthinkable for Democrats to even go near what they're doing. We'll see. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Sound of Freedom is officially the number three movie in the country. Now I know you may be saying number three. That don't cut it. We got to get Sound of Freedom up to number one. That's going to be pretty tough to do considering Barbie and Oppenheimer came out. So look, man, I got to tell you, in terms of cultural endeavors, we see coming from the anti-establishment, the right, whatever you want to call it, this large faction, number three is pretty dang good, especially on the small budget they had, big profits, major success. This is going to trigger alarm bells in an industry which is currently dealing with major strikes and bleeding cash every single week. So, of course, the allies of the corporate establishment, the corporate press, basically the same thing. They're freaking out. The Guardian says Sound of Freedom passed the $100 million mark. Who's really watching the movie? The QAnon adjacent film, co-opted by the right wing, has a pay it forward scheme resulting in sold out shows but empty theaters. A lie. It's a lie. Look, there is a pay it forward uh, uh, program. We call it a scheme, which is uh, effectively crowdfunding. That's the funny thing. They're smearing the film like the theaters were empty and we went and checked, but they're using clever language. Let me show you. Let me show you a little bit. Take a look at this. They say, Sound of Freedom, the religious QAnon adjacent child smuggling film. Oh, notice they put QAnon adjacent in quotes. Oh, please. I'm going to say this. I've said it before. I'll say it again. If you've ever watched Law & Order SVU, then... This is like that. Okay. You know, it is law enforcement going after people who abuse kids. Like the overall majority of law and order SVU is that. Is it a QAnon adjacent show? Apparently, yes. Check this out. As the movie continues to cause controversy. What controversy? What are you talking about? The the critics like it. It's got 74% Rotten Tomatoes and the audience gives it 100%. So spare me your lies. They say questions are being asked about who is actually watching it. And whether that many people are watching it at all. Hmm. Angel Studios, the film's distributor, set up a controversial pay it forward scheme. There's a message at the end of the film and a prominent link on the studio's website urging viewers to buy an extra ticket for someone who would not otherwise be able to see the film. It's clearly been working. They say on the 4th of July, the day the film's released, nearly 20% of its sales came from people who bought those extra tickets. In a theater located in New York's Times Square on Thursday afternoon, there seemed to be evidence, they say, that the sales figures might be overinflating their significance. According to Fandango, all but 28 seats had been sold for the 3 p.m. screening of Sound of Freedom. As the lights dimmed, however, the Guardian counted 45 vacant seats dotted around the half-empty theater. Minutes before the 6.30 p.m. screening, Fandango showed that only two seats were still available. Again, there were more than two vacant spots as the film began. Oh boy, we got ourselves a corporate press lion doozy on this one. What do they say? Uh, What does Michael Mal say? Factual, but not truthful. Let's break it down. As the lights dimmed, what does that mean? The lights dimmed twice in a movie theater. First, if you walk in before any of that stupid movie, what what is that thing they do with like Maria Menounos? You know her? She's always hosting that thing before a movie starts. I don't know. Maybe I'm just getting those in in the region. But if you walk into a movie theater, lights are bright. You're the first person in. You sit down. 
the lights dim to, and, and this is most theaters I've been to, maybe they're not all the same. The lights will dim a little bit as it starts playing that like movie go or whatever it's called. And it's like trivia and it's like, hold up your phone and the lasers are blasting and, you know, weird trivia stuff plays. Then the lights will dim again. So the question I have for the Guardian is, for which are you referring? Did you walk into the theater? Look at this. According to Fandango, all but 28 seats have been sold. Uh, as the lights dim, however, they counted 45 vacant seats. Did you go in a half an hour early before they even turned on the screen and were sitting there? And then once they dimmed for, say, previews, you counted the seats? Honest question. Context matters. Because take a look how they say this. 45 vacant seats. Yeah, okay. Uh, how many seats were in the theater? Were, were there 100? Is that half? I mean, it's pretty good, right? And this is, uh, uh, when is this? Thursday. This is like, how many weeks now? It's been 20 days since the movie came out and the theater is still half full. I'm impressed. Huh. Take a look at this though. Only two seats were still available. Again, there were more than two vacant spots. What? Was it three? You see the mind games they're playing? These people are losing their minds because Sound of Freedom is succeeding. Don't take my word for it. If we pull up box office mojo, we can see kabang. $124 million domestic. And let's entertain the possibility that a large portion of sales are coming from people who care about the film and many who aren't actually seeing it. Okay, well, ladies and gentlemen, let me just tell you something. Let me put it this way. Um, first, I would love it if all of you would check out Timcast Music on YouTube. You can listen to the latest song we put out a little while ago. It's called Bright Eyes. And the left sure does hate the music we've been putting out. We put out uh, uh, four songs. Three of them were, were, were did fairly well in the millions of views and charted on Billboard. That's because we did a big marketing push. Bright Eyes, we didn't do a big marketing push at all because I need data. So the idea was we'll put out the song with no marketing push and then see how it performs. It did a couple hundred thousand. There you go. Marketing push as in going on my shows and saying, hey, guys, listen to my music. The reason I bring this up is we had beaten Taylor Swift in downloads on iTunes. And the left freaked out saying like, well, no one buys music today anyway, so it doesn't even mean anything. And I'm like, my friends, are you saying that sales don't matter because everyone streams? A stream is when what's called the digital streaming playlist runs your song. So for most people, like you turn the radio on, your song's there. That's how it used to be back in the day. You got your song on the radio. Oh, that's marketing for your music. You're going to make money. These days, you have to figure it out for yourselves. So what happens, a lot of these artists get their songs in auto rotation on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, or whatever it is. And a lot of people will know the song, they'll hear the song, but it's not like they're, they don't want to buy the song. Like, think about that. They don't want to buy it. They don't want to pay money for it. They don't want to support it. They just listen to it. Now, the difference is, when we put out a song, we beat Taylor Swift. On, granted, on the Friday release day, we beat Taylor Swift, and then she beat us the rest of the way. Fair. I don't expect to be a bigger musician than Taylor Swift. Come on, that'd be insane. But I'm saying we actually were able to pull off a single day victory. They attacked us for it, saying it's meaningless. If your argument is that what we are building generates more passion to the point where people are willing to support it directly with cash, and you're saying that's a bad thing or it's not real, I got news for you, dude. You're going to lose. Nobody wants to buy your garbage, but they'll buy our garbage. Is that your argument? We're going to win because we're going to make more money than you. Eventually, people are going to start realizing, hey, people will buy Sound of Freedom. 124 million more theaters got added because money was to be made in whatever way imaginable. Now, let's imagine that every theater was empty. So you mean to tell me that conservatives 
are going to give money without even receiving a product? Capitalists dream. The idea that a theater could run an empty, uh, run, an, run, run an entire uh, uh, theater room, uh, what, what, theater seven in a theater, empty, movie plays, no cleanup, no people, nothing to worry about, no tickets, but everything, every seat was sold. You kidding me? Movie theaters are probably laughing all the way to the bank being like, we want more of this. Talk about capitalistic power. The idea that people will just give you money because they like what you've done. And the argument, of course, they're saying it's not as significantly, it's, it's not as significant. It's not as impactful or relevant. It's just people throwing money at it. Okay. okay. Yeah, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. Angel Studios is going to get a lot of that money. The theaters are going to get a lot of that money. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to do more of this. And that's what we want. We want Sound of Freedom too. Not necessarily. I, I think it wrapped the story very, very well. It's a great movie, by the way. Take a look at this. From uh, This is Box Office Mojo, domestic box office for yesterday. Barbie number one, unsurprising. Oppenheimer number two, unsurprising. And Sound of Freedom number three, what? Sound of Freedom beat Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Take, take a look at this. Sound of, Sound of Freedom gets 5.7 million on, uh, on, this is Friday, to Mission Impossible's 5.5. Now, Mission Impossible wins Saturday with 7.8 to Sound of Freedom 7.4. But Sunday, Sound of Freedom hit 7 million to Mission Impossible 6, giving them the edge. They beat Indiana Jones. They beat Insidious, Elemental, Spider-Man. Now, I know some of these movies are a little bit older and whatever, and that's fine. And I want to be fair when I pull up Mission Impossible. Right now, their domestic box office, as with a July 12th release date, is 118 million. So they're coming high and going down. Sound of Freedom starts low and, and, and spiking up worldwide. They've got a $370 million box office. That's pretty dang good. And the worldwide box office for Sound of Freedom is only $124 million because there's no international box office. Hey, we'll take what we can get. A win is a win. The reason why I, I focus on making music, it's because I can. That's it. The reason why we're skating, we're playing music, we're doing these things. It's not because I think I'm the greatest musician in the world. It's not because I think my songs are the best songs ever written. It's because I know how to play music. I've been singing my whole life, playing drums, guitar, and doing these things. And culture is how you win a culture war. And you know what? If you don't like my music, don't listen to it. These leftists are like, your music's garbage. Everyone hates it. And I'm like, we're on rotation. We're getting a consistent number of plays. It's actually making money. We're going to build a catalog. And if people like it, they do. There are a bunch of obscure bands many people have never heard of. They make a living playing music. I can look at some of my favorite bands and, be, and I'm surprised to see they've got nothing hitting Billboard. Favorite bands, bands I've been listening to forever. That's how it goes. We build culture. We make things. Maybe one day we'll get a song and it'll be really big and whatever. I don't know. We did fairly well. My point is this. I'm not coming out here thinking I'm going to fill a stadium like Taylor Swift or anything. I'm coming out here saying, just do the work. Now, if I played sports or football, I'd do a football show. I don't. I skateboard. I play guitar. I sing. I try and build culture where I can and invest in others who are doing similar things. There's only so much we can do because we're not that big of a company, but we're trying. That's why I like Sound of Freedom. This is victory. And let me show you something else as it pertains to victory. Welcome to The Flash. You may be asking yourself, where, where's The Flash on this list, man? You know, what, what's going on? Are they not making any money? How about this? Box office. As of July 20th, The Flash has grossed $107 million. The film is considered one of the biggest box office bombs of all time. Now, worldwide, they brought in 267 million. 
but their budget was about 200 million and their marketing was about 200 million. So, wow. Sound of Freedom, I think, what was their what was their budget? 14 million or something like this. And they are raking in the dough. July 15th, Saturday, $10 million came in. When did we have on uh, Tim Ballard? Was that? Yeah, that was uh, that was July 13th. And then Friday and Saturday. I hope we played a role in that to some degree. I really hope we do. We did. I am glad to see. Look at this. You can see it spikes. It goes up. Sunday was $9 million. We got to make more money. If you haven't seen Sound of Freedom, you should see it. But of course, the argument from the left is, is anybody actually really watching it? If you and I are more willing to pay money for these goods, it's attrition, baby. Over a long enough period of time, we win. End of story. Money talks, BS walks, that's how it goes. So if they put out movies like The Flash and dump all this money into it, and, you know, I thought it was okay. You know, eh. But if they're going to dump money in it, it fails. I'll tell you what's happening right now. In Hollywood, there's a strike going on. And they're going like, oh, these lefties. They're costing me money. What do I do? Here's what's going to happen. There's going to be a lot of studios that are going to say, oh, hold on, hold on. You mean to tell me that conservatives are paying money for a movie they're not even going to? We want that. <laughs> you kidding me? So you mean we can put the movie out and they'll buy tickets for four or five times the price to support the message? Liberals don't do that. Remember that movie came out, Bros, where it was about like two, it was like two gay dudes? Billy Eichner. Nobody saw it. It bombed. Where was the zealotry? Where was the political fervor? Not there. But conservatives care so much, care so much about protecting kids that a movie with a strong moral message, no wokeness, just basically being like, we're going to save kids. They're going to spend three to five times as much as they should or have to. What capitalist would not want to take that opportunity? So here's what we're up against. How many people in Hollywood, I wonder, are going to sit, stare at this and say, no, nah, I don't need money. Hey, probably a lot. Ideologically driven crackpots who are like, we're going to make woke films. A lot of people are ragging on Barbie. And it's funny, I'm seeing this mixed commentary. I don't care about Barbie. I'm not going to see Barbie, whatever. I might see Oppenheimer. I heard it's kind of slow and boring, but whatever. Maybe we'll see it this weekend or something. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. But uh, the mixed commentary on Barbie is really funny. Some are like, it's feminist garbage. And some are like, it's actually pretty good and based. And I'm just like, I literally don't care about Barbie. I, I just, I'm not going to see it. Fair point, though. Some people are saying, like, why are adult men commenting on a, on a little girl's movie? And it's like, well, if the movie's influencing little girls to be insane, you know, that's probably a good thing to criticize. We don't want our kids seeing garbage. But the reality is this. Barbie may make money. It may get flack. It may generate controversy. I'm not going to go see it. I'm not going to spend money to go see it. And it is making a lot of money. Of course, it's Barbie. Sound of Freedom comes from nowhere. It was jammed up. They tried to get it released. They had a hard time. And it is number three. Now, that's going to say something to these studios. If you want to make money, you go, you want to fish, you got to fish where the fish are, right? You make the flash, ain't no fish in that, in that pond. You're wasting your money. Call conservatives fish. Call them whatever you want. They're willing to pay for something that matters. And that's how you win a culture war. So you can do this. You can uh, buy Timcast music songs on iTunes or just watch the videos on YouTube. Check them out if you haven't uh, heard or listened to any of the music yet. 
It's an eclectic array of songs. We've got a couple more songs that are going to be released. We're going to keep making music because we can, because we know how to. And you know what? Maybe it's never going to be the best music in the world or the most popular or whatever. It'll find its audience and it will have an influence and someone will play the song and their kid will hear it. And that's what we got to do. We have to prove that people outside the machine can succeed. That's why it was so important for me that we got songs to hit the billboard charts. And we did three of them out of four. And the only reason the third, the fourth one did it is because, again, intentionally, no marketing push. Just really, really light. We put it up on YouTube, mentioned it a couple times and, and walked away because I wanted to see what we would hit. Song number four, natural, natural play. The other thing is not every song we put out is, 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 is only a few of them are ever going to get the big treatment. That's true of all music. Band will put out 10 songs. Studio chooses three they want to you know, focus on. So we maybe even just put out, a, like we want to put out, like drop an album, put like five songs up. It's like, boom, there it is. As the rest of the songs have fun because catalog is important. But uh, ultimately it's this. I want some kid to see those songs, to see the billboard charts we hit. I want them to see Sound of Freedom, an indie film. And I want them to think we don't need Hollywood to succeed. That's the point. And that's how you win a culture war. When people start to realize you don't have to go through the establishment narrative machine, you can do it on your own. I think with that, we have a very, very bright future in front of us. Now, look, I'm a fan of a lot of these movies. You know what I mean? Like uh, Mission Impossible. You know what? I got to be honest. I'm probably going to see this before I see Oppenheimer. I like these movies. They're fun. Explosions, bang, bang, spies, Tom Cruise jumping off buildings and stuff. It's just fun. You're allowed to have fun. I get it. So I always tell people this when it comes to like Disney or Netflix and these other uh, uh, Disney plus Netflix, I'm like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you to cancel everything, to boycott Hulu and do that stuff. I personally don't have Disney plus. I'm not going to be getting it again because they were thanking the, you know, security forces running the Uyghur Muslim camps. And I'm just like, I got to set a line, right? I don't expect everyone to cancel those. Because you want entertainment. What we need to happen is these kinds of victories like we see with Sound of Freedom. Because, like I said, if companies start to see this is what makes money, they'll, they'll go for it. There's a show on Netflix that I talked about before called The Order. I think it's called The Order. It's like, um, what is it, werewolves and like wizards or witches or something? I don't know, whatever. The bad guy was a communist. The bad guy was a communist professor. I watched that and I was like, holy crap. Spoiler, I guess. Season two. The bad guy's a communist professor. And I'm just like, that's uh, pretty bold messaging for a Netflix show. Show got canceled. Nobody watched it. This is one of the issues conservatives, post-liberals, libertarians have. You want people to believe in individual liberty, meritocracy, etc., but you don't talk about the things you like and promote them so they make money. We're doing that now, though, with Sound of Freedom. I like to shout out to uh, Captain America, the Marvel movie. People say Marvel movies are dumb. Superheroes movies are dumb. Bro, Captain America, it's a movie about a kid who is too scrawny to join the military, tries lying his way in, and then literally fights Nazis to help save the United States. It is an, an amazingly right-wing patriotic film serving your country and all of that stuff. It's amazing. Conservatives should have come out and said, everyone go see Captain America. And then Captain Marvel comes out. They should have said, don't go see it. That way there's a big contrast, right? But you know, the reality is people like superhero movies. So go see your superhero movies. Go see your Mission Impossible. Have fun. I, uh, I, I think I, I was watching Fast 10. I watched like half of it and then fell asleep. It's like, whatever. You know, doofy, fun, 
You don't got to think too much. Those movies have their place. What we need is an alternative. We need competition. And that is, my friends, Sound of Freedom. I got to say, I think we're winning. When people ask me, yeah, but look, you know, these bigger the, uh, Barbie makes more money. I'm like, no, 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 listen, winning doesn't mean one. Winning doesn't mean controlling all the territory. Imagine there is a battlefield and 80 percent of it is controlled by communists. But every day it drops from 80, 79, 78. That's called winning the battle. For now, it may not look like you control enough and it may not seem like we have that much influence. But this is massive victory. You got to start somewhere. And we are gaining that cultural ground. So go see Sound of Freedom if you haven't already seen it. And I'm really looking forward to what Angel Studios has coming out next. They've got some sci-fi movie. Seems pretty cool. It's really funny. It's about a guy like shifting through various realities. And they're like, it's kind of based on the book of Enoch or something in the Bible. And I'm like, I don't know. There's a guy transported to multiple dimensions or something. I'm like, sure, whatever. Dude, make whatever. If you make a good movie, I will watch it. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up at 6 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. In a new poll, Vivek Ramaswamy is tied with Ron DeSantis for the GOP primary. I'm going to level with you guys right now. I don't see a path for either of them to win the primary in a traditional means. That is to say, based on who Donald Trump is, based on who these guys are, if there was an election held today in normal parameters, Trump wins. The reason I say it that way is because Trump is being criminally charged again and again and again. He may he might be in jail. I mean, who knows? So there is a potential path for Vivek and Ron DeSantis to make it to the uh, to be the nominee, but it's not going to be the traditional means. Now, to the main point here, Vivek Ramaswamy tying with Ron DeSantis is a big deal. For one, I'm a big fan of Vivek. I've had him on the Culture War last week while I was out. He got to sit down and have a conversation with Seamus and the crew talking about a lot of issues. And uh, he's a smart guy. He's one of the best when it comes to the issues. He knows all about this. He's business savvy. He is a fantastic candidate for the Republican primary. But I don't know. Where does he end up? VP? Probably not. Maybe some cabinet position would be would be really great. We'll see. The big issue with this story is where does Ron DeSantis stand? And he seems to be dropping in the polls consistently with Vivek now tying him for second in at least one poll and coming up in a close third in another. Something's wrong with Camp DeSantis. Now, I'm not here to rag on Ron DeSantis. I can say it now. I can say it yesterday. I can say it tomorrow. He is the best politician we have in this country when it comes to policy and leadership. In Florida, no question, it was amazing. However, despite all of those victories, despite all of the reasons people have to choose him over Trump, he is sinking in the polls. Unfortunately for Ron DeSantis, the people he's surrounded with and the fans of his campaign, they're too abrasive. They don't accept that they're facing serious problems. They get angry. They attack allies. And for that reason, I can only see Ron DeSantis sinking even further, unless he turns it around, which is entirely possible. I'd love to see it. Here's the news from Breitbart.com. Anti-woke businessman Vivek Ramaswamy is tied with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis for second place in the Republican primary race. A Kaplan Strategy survey released Thursday found. The survey concluded that Ramaswamy has made significant strides since jumping into the presidential race, going from the bottom tier to tying for second place with double-digit support alongside DeSantis. As is consistent in other surveys, former President Donald Trump leads the pack in the double digits. Yeah, 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 we get it. Trump's probably going to win. 
Both former new governor, uh, both former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie and Senator Tim Scott come seven points behind with five percent support each, et cetera, et cetera. We don't care about Haley or Pence, whatever. One percent chose Asa Hutchinson and 10 percent remain undecided. Quote, Ramaswamy outperformed six other hopefuls by more than double, marking a significant surprise in this poll. Doug Kaplan, founder of Kaplan Strategy, said, predicting that it is likely lower tier candidates will drop off, causing their voters to turn to either Trump, Ramaswamy or DeSantis. They say, despite DeSantis's favorable rating of 59 percent among, amongst GOP voters, Kaplan suggests that Ramaswamy may have the potential for a higher ceiling as he is less well known amongst Republican voters with a 27 percent uncertainty rate. Meanwhile, the poll underscores the unwavering support President Trump holds within the GOP. Despite the crowded field challenging him, Trump boasts a combined 69 percent favorability rating, leaving little room for uncertainty. Now, before I read further, I got I want to stress I'm not here to rag on DeSantis. OK, but I mean, look, there's bad news are coming. Tying with Ramaswamy. I mean, you got DeSantis who wins Florida by a million votes tying with somebody else. I can understand DeSantis in number, second position behind Trump. I can understand Trump winning. But Ramaswamy coming up tying now. That's bad news for Camp DeSantis. But here is the latest poll posted by Interactive Polls. This one's Rasmussen. Ramaswamy's at 3% in this poll, okay? So as much as I'm a fan of Vivek, let's just make sure we're considering all factors here. I'm not going to come out and just be like, look at this one poll. Ramaswamy's the best. I'm going to be like, wow, it's interesting. There is a poll showing this slight margin of error. Not that great. Bad news for DeSantis in any capacity. But right now, when we look at the latest 2024 National Republican primary, this could be due to new data. It could be because there's a blips in some of these surveys. DeSantis, second place, 13%. Unsurprising. Uh, he should be in second place, uh, I believe. And I do think it would be fantastic. And I'd love to see it if the DeSantis campaign could turn things around. But, dude, I got to tell you guys, DeSantis campaign, you need to fire your communications people. Absolutely just get rid of these guys. Your surrogates on Twitter are destroying your campaign and your fans ain't helping either. I see Mike Cernovich tweeting about it. And I agree. Even when I defend Ron DeSantis, I still get insulted by people. It's ridiculous. And then I'm talking to I'm talking to these DeSantis supporters and they're like, yeah, but Trump supporters do this. You know, you've got Alex Brusowitz and Laura Loomer. And I'm like, yeah, but dude, you may get some flack. Sure. I'm going to tell you this. I don't know your experience. I can only tell you that I literally in a morning segment called for an investigation of Donald Trump into the criminal murder of an eight year old American girl. I've said it seven or eight times in the past several months. I'm not saying Trump's guilty. I'm saying, why don't we investigate those things? We have libertarians come on this show and outright call Trump a war criminal. And I don't get that level of of vitriol that I get from DeSantis supporters. Tell me I'm wrong. Whatever. Don't care. That's the reality. I would love it. I was for Ron DeSantis last year. Man, his fans really are angry. And just wow. And if, and if their justification is that, well, but, you know, Alex Brusowitz and Laura Loomer are vicious, too, and they post these things. I'm like, then why are you yelling at me? What the? Yeah. For those reasons, obviously, you can see that you can hear the exasperation. Uh, DeSantis is sinking. Currently, Ron DeSantis in the prediction market holds a 20 cent to Trump's 57. Vivek Ramaswamy at 13 cents. So it really is Trump DeSantis Ramaswamy. I got to tell you, it's early. And a lot of people are saying it's early for Ron, too. Fair point. But it's early for Vivek. 
Ron's got a, got years behind him as governor of Florida. People know his name. Vivek Ramaswamy is a, is a newcomer and he is skyrocketing in the prediction markets, skyrocketing in the polls. DeSantis better watch out. Now, some people have suggested it could be a Trump Ramaswamy ticket. I don't know if Vivek is a VP kind of guy. I think Vivek is more of a um, cabinet member kind of guy. I wonder what it is. You know, honest question. Like what makes someone presidential? Donald Trump has the X factor. No doubt. Ron DeSantis, a little bit. He, he really does. DeSantis doesn't have the same level of X factor as, say, Barack Obama. And I'm not talking about charisma. I'm talking about X factor, whatever that means. It's like the special quality that you can see someone as the president. Ron DeSantis certainly has it way more than the likes of McCain or Mitt Romney, but nowhere near as close as Donald Trump and nowhere near as close as Barack Obama, to be completely honest. And honestly, Joe Biden has almost none. So I'm surprised that happened. But, uh, you know, that's another question. But uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, I, I, I will say this as a fan of Vivek, and I, I, I want him to succeed. I don't see that X factor. Yeah, you know, just think in your head and imagine a vice presidential or presidential Vivek Ramaswamy. And I mean this with no disrespect. There's 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 something lacking. I don't know what it is. And uh, maybe Ramaswamy, uh, you know, I've, I've talked to him several times. You know, maybe he'll hear what I'm saying and, 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 try, and try and figure that out. Or maybe his real goal is just to positively influence the conversation and guide whoever does become a president into addressing real issues, the, the issues that he thinks are, are truly important. I said it to his face. I was like, look, I don't think you're going to win. I think ultimately you're coming on the stage so that you can have a positive impact on the, on the discourse and the conversation and solve problems. And, uh, you know, look, he's he, he's he's here to win it. He's going to say it. But look, I, I, we've seen it all before, right? How many people are just running so that they can come out and get like one issue on that debate stage to try and get it addressed? Some people are just running for book deals. I don't think the guy who's worth half a billion dollars needs to worry about any of that. I think there's things he genuinely cares about. I think he's trying, but I think he's a smart guy. I think he knows. But what could that X factor be? I mean, what if, uh, I don't know. Don't know what it is. RFK has it. RFK Jr. has it. But again, nowhere near as much as Donald Trump does. So you know, I don't know how to describe X factor other than as that. It's like that, that I don't know, immeasurable quality that you can see in someone, you're like, they could be president. And people mocked Trump. They said he didn't have it. But come on, dude, of course he does. He's a big guy. He's boisterous, loud, aggressive. He's got it. Come on. They say Ramaswamy's rise has been captured in other surveys as well. The last Echelon Insight survey, for example, found him breaking in the double digits with 10% support, 6% behind DeSantis. He's got a bunch of these uh, uh, videos. There are two sexes. If you have XX chromosomes, you're a woman. If you have XX chromosomes, you're a man, period. Gender dysphoria is a mental health disorder. Affirming a kid's confusion isn't compassion, it's cruelty. That's the truth. Look, I got to tell you about Vivek, man. Nails it. It, it. What he tweeted here, I'm sure will trigger a lot of people, make him really angry. But he's not insulting people. He's not being overly emotional. He's just, he's, he's, he's playing it straight. I, I am excited to see what he brings to this uh, primary season, to, this, to the stage. And you know what? If he wins, I'll be very, very happy. I will be absolutely happy to see Republican nominee Ramaswamy. In fact, I even said this when he was on. I'll vote for him in the primary. To be honest, I think Trump will probably win, you know, so it's like whatever. But I'd vote for him. I'd vote for him because I do think he's a good guy for the job. 
I don't know if he's the the guy. You know, look, I got to be honest. When it comes to foreign, when when it comes to the presidential race, there, foreign policy is my thing because that's what the president does. The president can set a, a, agendas and things like this, but Congress is affecting domestic legislation. The courts are interpreting law and things like that. The president plays a big role. I get it, but the president snaps his fingers over foreign policy. That's why it's so important that we get someone I think like Trump who's anti-war. Uh, or you know, look to a certain degree, right? I'll take what I can get. That being said, Trump has done some pretty good things when it comes to foreign policy. And so we'll see. We'll see. In the meantime, shout out to Vivek and uh, best of luck. And to the DeSantis camp, guys, I want you to turn it around. I like Ron DeSantis. Stop. Stop the, the look. Let me give you some advice. All right. I mean it. If you're angry that there are prominent Trump personalities who are playing dirty, you are not going to beat them at their game. Ron DeSantis's appeal is good policy combined with tact, not taking the Trump approach of putting out fake, fake images and fake videos and then defending having done it. You got to be real. You got to be authentic. And then all you got to do is ride DeSantis's record and you win. Please take the advice. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I'll see you all shortly. I try to be compassionate. I'm going to try and do that today with this story, but we need to address the issue of language and perception as it pertains to gender ideology. From the post-millennial, viral law and crime story about murder-suicide dragged for referring to woman victim as pregnant boyfriend. boyfriend. What the F does this mean? Oh, I think they're quoting me on that one. Is that it? They, 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 they put my tweet up there. <laughs> I said, what the F does this mean? Okay, so uh, here's the story. Well, all right, I'm going to be light on the story because I'm not here to talk about violent crime. I'm here to talk about perception and ideology. And the, uh, the story is man shot and killed his pregnant boyfriend and then himself in murder-suicide. And I'm just like, wait, what? When I read it, of course, I, I understood the general idea of what they were saying. But what these, these websites, these media outlets don't understand is that the average person is going to go, huh? His pregnant boyfriend? Is it a typo? That's why I said, what the F does this mean? Look, I've mentioned this earlier. I go out in the real world. I touch grass. I talk to people. They don't understand any of this. It is a hyper online fake reality that makes very little sense. So let's talk about perception. We had a show two weeks ago with uh, two drag performers addressing whether or not drag was appropriate for kids. One of the individuals identified as trans as well as a drag performer. And I'm, I'm genuinely uh, confused by that. Drag is males, men who don't identify. It's not a trans issue. They dress up like women for performance. So you are drag, but you are also trans. Doesn't that conflict with each other? Isn't that like they're two different things? Hey, look, I'm not trying to be condescending or anything. I just don't know. I don't understand. I want to play for you some videos. And I'm not here to be mean to these people. I think that uh, we should listen to this because we can actually understand one of the biggest issues that's affecting us now when it comes to gender ideology. Let me play this clip for you. Oh, actually, I got to make sure I turn the audio on. It's a, an, another day, another me not putting audio on. I shop with a friend and I saw a stranger that I thought was really cute and I decided to go up and ask them out. I was hyping myself up for like two minutes because the thought of rejection terrifies me, but my therapist says that I should start doing it in order to meet people. So I, I approached the stranger. Stranger was sitting with a friend. I went up to them and I was like, hey, so sorry to bother you. I think you're really cute. I was wondering if I could get your number. They look at me and they go, oh my gosh, I am so flattered. That means so much. Thank you. Um, but I'm, I'm actually straight. And I said, no worries. And I walked away and um, I, I didn't tell them that I am a woman, a trans woman, but I didn't say that. 
the idea of being rejected and having someone assume my gender felt safer to me than me standing up for myself and saying to the person I'm actually a woman. I have a deep voice. I wasn't wearing any makeup. I'm wearing a cute outfit though. So, you know, there's, there's that. I know that this isn't an everyday occurrence. It's still hurt. It is what it is. We're not meant for each other. There are lots of other people out there who see me for the way that I see myself. And I'm excited to continue to find those people. And I'm still hot. So. See me for the way I see myself is the issue at hand. The individual we had on the show, maybe a girl is their name, uses she, her pronouns, said that uh, they want people to see her the way she sees herself. That's impossible. I responded. It is impossible. It will never be possible. That will never change. I'm not saying that to be mean to anybody. Now, I will use she, her pronouns. When maybe came on, she said, I know that you use uh, preferred pronouns for trans guests you've had on the show. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't care. Um, and there's, there's a lot of questions around it and there's challenges, in, in, in fact. But um, I don't know that in general, the issue is, uh, look, I'll put it this way. Ben Shapiro mentioned that he wouldn't use male pronouns for Blair White because it would confuse people. If he went to a cafe and he was like, you know, go sit by him and then pointed at Blair, people would be like, who? They'd be confused by it, right? There is a perception issue there. You can make the argument that this individual in this video is overwhelmingly male looking and therefore you'd say he him. That's typically how people do things, even when they're wrong. There are sometimes women who look very manly and they get called he and they're like, I'm a woman. You're like, whoops, sorry. And there are effeminate men, you know, less so. But it could happen. The issue here is that while I have no problem just being like, you know, whatever, it's easier just to navigate by being polite. The reality is I'm not trying to be mean. I will look, maybe a girl, the drag performer, the, the transgender individual does not look like a woman, uh, is, I, I believe, you know, a, a large, deep voiced six foot five or so masculine individual dressed in a feminine social style of, of wear. I don't have any issue. I mean, live your life, you know, do what you want to do. I'll mind my own business. I think there are certain subject matters that we want to keep away from kids, maybe actually agreed. And, you know, we talked about these books. I do think there's some tribal element that makes it difficult for them to come out against it. Or in reality, maybe many of them want the kids to get access to these books. But the ultimate reality is this. This person here. Hey, live your life. Be happy. Tell yourself you're hot. Do whatever you want to do. We, we all try to get by, build our confidence. And um, it's a good thing. You know, not not always, but there are a lot of guys. I see these posts from people in cells or whatever and online getting made fun of. And it's like, dude, you watch videos of these guys and many of our average looking dudes. You need to just start working on yourself. You need to believe in yourself. Well, a lot of people, uh, a lot of people are socially maladjusted and they're uh, they lack confidence. Hey, this person's got confidence in spades. But here's the issue I'm getting to saying I did not tell them I was a woman. Why would you have to? Why would you have to? And that right there is the point. This idea from these people that the world must see them the way they see themselves. It's like asking for a pot of gold at the end of a rainbow. It doesn't exist. You can't convey that information to someone before they've met you unless you've met digitally and communicated already. That is to say, if I walked up to someone and said identified as non-binary, how would they know? Unless I told them that because I am perceivably male, in which case the questions they have, the, 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 the requests they have, they're impossible. This individual said it still hurt. Why? This person said nice things to you and had no way of knowing that you were a trans woman. They have no way to know that. 
We're supposed to just make assumptions to spare your feelings. You see, ultimately what it comes down to is there is no way to spare someone's feelings. End of story. If you call a biological woman trans and use the wrong pronouns, she'll get upset. If you call a man a woman, he'll say, you guys are fighting words, you know, get upset. I mean, typically most people just ignore it. But how are we supposed to know what your pronouns are? We're supposed to ask. Uh Oh, that's also insulting. You see, therein lies the problem. Go up to a woman and say, are you a are you a guy or a woman? Do you think they're going to be happy? They're not going to be happy. They're going to be upset. There's no way to navigate this. Individuals want everyone to see them the way they see themselves. And then it comes down to a question of medical care. I'll play another video for you. In 23 doctors are still forcing their trans patients to sit there and misgender themselves multiple times over and fucking over again to satiate their confusion and curiosity and how they seem to just not be able to understand how I said I take testosterone because I'm transgender my body doesn't produce its own and then later saying how like referencing my pregnancy and this and that and she just didn't get it she didn't fucking get it just had to like really drill it in that she was confused all right let's break this one down i'm not going to play the full video a trans man biological female who takes testosterone identifies as a man went to the hospital the doctor said do you have a uterus are you female explain this to me there's a reason for it it's not because they're mad at you it's not because they hate you it's because they're trying to help you and save your life Females and males have different organs. Isn't that crazy? Yep. Different organs, different body parts, and in fact, uh, different body shapes, different collagen, different muscle density, different bone density. Man, it's crazy. Males and females, very different. This individual is offended and angry that a doctor repeatedly asked about, you know, tell me the limits and, the, uh, and, and, and who you are and what you have. This is important. It's important because if someone is, I don't know, like experiencing some kind of bleeding and then it turns out that they're a man, they're male, the doctor's not going to assume it's like an ovarian cyst or, you know, or cancer. If it's a female bleeding and there's blood on the, on the pants, they might make different assumptions. These assumptions are very important in rapid treatment of someone who is injured or suffering some kind of ailment. Now, as we enter this world of uh, transgender issues, there becomes a question about how to uh, how to give people proper medication when they're offended if you do. Let me tell you a story, my friends. Did you know that it wasn't until the 90s that clinical trials required male and female uh, test subjects? How about that? The pharmaceutical industry would do tests mostly on males and they would get their results. Unfortunately, this meant the medication that they would put out wasn't tested on women because they really, really they didn't know. They didn't know. Pain medication, for instance. There's some pain meds that don't work as well on women. And so they would just think that women were whining. It's like, no, this numbs the pain for dudes, but not for ladies. So they pass a law saying you've got to do clinical trials on men and women because we got to have the data on that. They're different, different hormones, different bodies, different sugar levels, different fat levels. It matters. It matters a lot. If someone comes to the doctor and uh, Stephen Crowder did a good thing on this. He went to a, uh, what did he do, Planned Parenthood or something? as a trans woman and said that uh, he was pregnant, that he took a pregnancy test, something, something like that. It's been a while. And they just said, OK, sure, fine, whatever. Have a nice day. 
The reality is if a woman urinates on a pregnancy test and it says positive, probably pregnant. If a man does it and it says positive, likely cancer. That's an interesting thing. Not always, not absolutely, but an indicator. They didn't say anything. This is the importance of knowing whether or not someone is male or female, whether they take testosterone or not. A lot of, they'll say, are you, on any, are you on any medications? Yes, I take this, that, or otherwise. I take testosterone. Say, okay, what about any other, any other drugs? This person could simply say no. So what happens if the doctor says, you know what? Fine, you're a man. I'm going to treat you exactly as a man. And then their blood congeals, something horrible happens, and they die. The doctor is responsible. Herein lies the big issue that needs to be addressed. You know, by all means, I have, I have no ill will towards uh, Kane the dad or this other trans person. I, hope, I, I, I want them to be happy. I'm happy that they're uh, doing the best they can to try and live their lives for whatever reason. But I just want everyone, I want you all to know, there will never be a circumstance where I see you as you want to be seen. Because it's not possible. Now, people can lie and be nice. Some, some trans people will pass to varying degrees and people will genuinely see them, you know, as male or female. But for many people, you will be seen as you are seen. That's it. Not for how you want to be seen. Hey, you know what? I'd love it if I had a full head of hair and perfect teeth. Instead, I've got crooked teeth. I'm bald. My, uh, I've got a, I'm genetically missing one of my lateral incisors. Ain't never coming back. And you know what? Maybe I could have gotten some kind of affirming surgery or whatever. I don't do that. People are like, you wear a beanie to hide that you're bald. Like, I don't know. I've kind of always worn a beanie even when I had hair. It's just like part of the, you know, style or whatever. And I don't know, whatever. If I really cared that much, I'd have gotten my teeth fixed a long time ago. Now, my teeth, the only thing wrong with them, crooked. But therein lies the point. I can't go to people and be like, I want you to see me as having perfect teeth. I'm just like, this is who I am. It's what I am. I don't know. I ain't crying about it. I like, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I lost a lot of weight in the past couple of years because I, you know, gained some fluctuates. I was really skinny when I was a teenager, skating all the time. And then in my late 20s, I started gaining a little bit of weight. Uh, mostly in the past couple of years, gained a little bit of weight. Decided to lose it. We didn't really care that much about appearance as, as, you know, obviously. But I do it for myself. If there's something I want and want to be and want to look like, I'll do what I can for me. I wish that these other people could see that too. That uh, they can just be themselves. But I suppose the real issue is that to varying degrees, people are not okay with themselves. I think social media is making people insane. It's unfortunate. I know that the left is going to say these people are being themselves by taking testosterone and getting surgery and all that stuff. And I'm like, no, 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 that's the opposite of my point. I wish they could be okay with who they were. I understand they can't. Fine. I'm not them. They can live their lives. Let's just make sure we're protecting kids so that kids don't grow up to become unhappy, you know, in these ways. For these individuals, the fact that even after everything they've done, they're still getting angry about it, I think says a lot about what they're truly trying to accomplish. It's not about doing something for themselves. It's about doing something for everyone else. Seems contradictory, right? These individuals are, are trying to be their, be their true selves taking these medications. No, I, I don't see that. These people are trying to become something for other people to see, and they get angry when other people don't affirm that, that view. You know, I guess I can say it this way. People look at me all the time. I don't care what they think. I, I really don't. If I did, like I said, I get my teeth fixed or something. I don't know. Eh. I'm just me. I do my thing. 
Life is life. I'm happy with who I am. And uh, I just try to be a better version of myself every day. Other people are going to see me as things that I'm not. Eh, you know, whatever. The left lies about my political views. It's funny. You know, I went down to the Cellular Performance Institute and uh, I received some uh, experimental treatment for my hip problem. Seems to have cured me. Prescribed by a doctor, uh, for sure. And they, they, I get this tweet where they're like, Tim will rag on vaccines, experimental vaccines all day, but then he'll go down and get experimental treatments. Ha, huh, wouldn't he? I'm like, no, I don't. No, I don't. I rag on mandates. And I've, def- I've said this over and over again. I don't care about experimental vaccines. I think it's good that Trump funded experimental medicine. I think it's bad the government mandated it, period. I think Fauci lied. But I like experimental medicine. I like right to try. But they lie about who I am every single day. Well, that's just it. Lying is wrong. But the reality is, you know, there's 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 something I can do about other people seeing me in a certain way. Now, the liars I can call out the media, the press, when they lie about my views or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Call those people out. But if I go to the street and someone's like, oh, that Tim Pool guy, he's a Republican, conservative, pro-life or whatever. I'm like, you know what I can do? I can go and tell them it's not true if I really care. Or I can accept there's a lot of people who believe a lot of fake things about me, and I can't change that about everybody. As for these individuals, you've taken medicine, you've taken hormones, you've gotten surgery, and still, for many of you, people will not see you any differently. This will never change. That's it. You know, the thing about trans women, overwhelmingly, you can tell they're trans. That's not an insult. I'm not trying to be mean. It's just true. For trans men, you know, I was talking with, a, 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 you know, an LGBTQ activist type saying trans men have big hips. They do because females have wide hips and, and their shoulders are not as broad. So you can see these things, the, the facial features. Many people argue that it's easier for a female to pass as a man after transitioning than it is for a man as a woman uh, to varying degrees, to varying degrees. I would I would agree with that. Because testosterone has a lot of pronounced uh, dramatic changes on the body. I don't care if you want to get surgery, get hair plugs, if you want to get laser uh, hair removal or take hormones. Do you? But I will say this. It is not a good thing that in our country and society, people are so unhappy with who they are that they try to surgically and medically become someone else. I'm not singling out trans people on that point. I'm talking about all plastic surgery, breast implants hair plugs, whatever. Just do your thing. Be you. Be you. You know, oh, I wear a beanie all the time. Well, that's part of who I am, I guess. That's like the extent to which I've like altered my appearance, I suppose. But, you know, like, like I said, go back and look at all of my old skate videos. I, I'm always wearing the beanie. It's just like I've always done it. It's a skateboard thing, I guess. And then, you know, it becomes part of the show or whatever. But there are a lot of people who demand other people see them in a certain way. That's the limit. That's the line. It's not going to happen. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up later today. I'm going to start to, I guess, focus. um, You know what I think I'm going to do is instead of doing five per day, because I think it negatively impacts people's ability to watch videos. Instead of doing uh, um, 10 a.m., 1, 4, 6, and 6.30, I'm going to do four, 10 a.m., 1, 4, and 6. And then the additional segment, put up four on Friday. Then we'll have four every day instead of five every day and none. You see what I'm doing? Um, I think that'll be better in the long run. So I'll do that. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. And uh, check out the culture war, which, you know, I I believe is now going live at the exact same time as a video like this. 
over at youtube.com slash timcast to see fierce debates and conversations around a variety of culture war issues. And uh, thanks for hanging out, and we'll see you all next time. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.